0: Raise
1: down around you that you can escape to, knowing that you're hidden in the cleft of the rock. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 While the storm rages, yes. never fail. Please Amen. never fail. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus
1: is asleep at the boat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They were there. They, they were wondering, are you going to let us perish? He said, Oh you need a little faith. Hey, I'm not gonna let you perish. I'll let you call somebody. Praise God. Let's worship him. Let's believe him. Thank you, Jesus. His faithfulness. Aren't you glad that God is not like a man? His faithfulness, he never fails. I have failed God in time and time again. Hallelujah! You're a preacher. You're supposed to be perfect. Don't put that on me. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I'm just as human as everyone else. Now I guarantee you, I'm not going to walk out into some things that would void my ministry. But I make mistakes. But God is faithful. He never fails. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And the closer we get to Him, the closer we get to the place of not failing. Hallelujah! Praise God! Praise God! If you have your Bibles, we are going to go to the book of Luke, chapter three verse number 15 Luke chapter 3 verse number 15 you know I had an interesting conversation with a very good friend of mine there's so such dear friends um, been with me through thick and thin and he was the man that I counseled with quite a bit outside of my bishop uh, last year when uh, I think the valley was so deep I was on the edge of saying we can't do this anymore and uh, and just a wonderful man that uh, was a good friend of mine, he was on the cruise, we cruised together, we just they become such dear friends, and uh, he, he brought something to my attention, and I, and I think that that he has a point. You know, we grow, and we do different things, and God speaks to us in different ways, yeah. but he talked about the value of having the written word in your hand. Uh-huh. Uh, I have, for the last few years, read off my notes, on my tab, and not even had the Bible on the platform, and I'm gonna try to change that this year. And I think it's powerful, and uh, and, uh, he brought it to my attention. And aren't you glad you've got friends who can talk to you? The Bible says the wounds of a friend are faithful. If you have a really good friend, they're going to wound you sometime, not to hurt you, but to help you. But he said the lips of one that is a yes man, in our modern English, that just goes along with everything that you do, is destructive and so I I took his counsel I believe it I think it's important and I'm trying to start to read more from paper not from my phone or my tab and um, so I encourage you to do the same but acts I'm sorry Luke chapter 3 and verse number 15 what beautiful scripture and as the people were in expectation they, they know stuff is going on they're excited and they feel it, and they know that the Christ is on his way. As the people were in expectation, and all men mused in the hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not, he was the forerunner prophesied about. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I, com- than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He said, I'm not even worthy to untie His shoes. And John was a distinct, powerful, righteous man that lost, literally lost his head because he stood for righteousness against Herod. But he said, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. John was a great prophet. Jesus was much more than a prophet. He was God manifest in the flesh. I'm not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you, notice this, with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now he talks about the Holy Ghost and he says that coming along with the Holy Ghost is fire. And then verse 17, look, and he said, whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor. Now he is giving a reference to what they did back in the day with grain. They would take it to what's called the threshing floor and that grain would be stomped on. It would be broken to get the outer shell off. They would throw the grain up in the air and use a fan to blow away the chaff, the part you don't want, unless you drink Metamucil, but anyways, (laughs) the part you don't want, and it would blow that away and the grain would fall back down, and that's how they would separate the good part from the part that's not needed. So he said, this Jesus, his fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. Unquenchable. For a few minutes this morning, I want to speak on this subject, the Holy Ghost and fire. The Holy Ghost and fire. How many are going to help me teach yes. preach this morning? Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's believe God that I'll be able to get done in short order. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you yes, for your God. sweet mercies. Yes, you, what a gift you've given us in oh, your Lord, spirit. You. Unbelievable your mighty power that's in us, the Spirit of Christ. Lord, O Lord, let us as a people understand the fire nature of your Spirit, O God. And let us, O Lord, allow ourselves to be placed on the altar, hallelujah, crucified with Christ, that your fire may fall, Lord, and burn burn the things out that need to be burned out with unquenchable fire god i stand before you as nothing i know i'm just clay just a man lord anoint my lips let everything that leaves them be inspired of the holy ghost and give me the wisdom to know whether it's the holy ghost or the flesh in the name of jesus in the name of jesus let's clap our hands under the lord glory glory god is good god is good he is all the time you know in the book of jeremiah and you can take your seats if you want but in the book of jeremiah god lets us know his understanding of who we are his knowledge of every part of us in the book of jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5 this is now god speaking to a young man by the way Uh, they estimate that he was 13 to 16 years old when god called him as a prophet don't underestimate the power of our youth. Yeah. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mama, daddy, those little ones you got, be careful what you let get into their eyes and their hearts. Because, right. because we don't want God to have to clean that stuff out before right. he yeah. wants to use right, them. Amen, amen, amen. Jeremiah 1 and 5, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Uh, Let me tell you that before you were even formed in the womb, before the actual forming of a fertilized egg, God knew you. His spirit, your spirit. And God had plans for you, and he sanctified you. He wants you to be successful in the kingdom of God. He may not call you to be a prophet. In fact, today there are no more prophets uh, because we have the gift of prophecy active within the church. Uh, uh, and the prophets are in the foundation, different subject. But but he has purpose, divine, wonderful purpose for every individual that is born into this world. And he knows them intimately before they were ever born. Yeah. He formed them with yeah purpose. He said, I formed you in the womb. I understand there's there's a bunch of things that go on in embryology, and I've studied it, but let me tell you, God's hand is all over it. Hallelujah. He formed us in the womb he formed us in the womb and he sanctifies us and he ordains us in other place he said i have ordained you that your you shall be fruitful and that your fruit shall remain it's god's destiny for every individual to have divine purpose to be used of god to impact this world and to build the kingdom and there's so many different places that we can be used and if god isn't calling you to the pulpit ministry that doesn't mean you don't have a ministry Hallelujah. There are prayer warriors that are called out. uh, That all of their work is done in the recesses of a closet. uh, But it's so powerful. Hallelujah. There are those that are used to be witnesses. There are those that are used to be teachers. There are those that are used to help. Hallelujah. In the nature of the business of the church. Hallelujah. Every individual has been formed by God. With great purpose. With great purpose. And this young man. Anywhere between 13 and 16, verse 6 said, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Let me tell you what God's destined you to do. He's called you to do it. He's already called you. He'll qualify you. He'll bring it to pass. When God begins to call you to do the things you're supposed to do, don't run away for fear saying I don't have the ability because okay. you've got abilities in you that God knows and you don't,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. hallelujah, he formed you. Yeah. I'll give you a good example. I could not speak publicly at all. I, the only reason I passed public speaking in college, university is because of the written exams. The first time I got up to have to give a little 10 minute deal, I got so sick, I had to sit down, didn't even finish it. Mm. Who knew that I'd be a public speaker? I, I've literally preached to thousands. Amen. Over a thousand. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. And God takes things in us yes, and develops them. He's the great potter. Aren't yeah. you excited yeah. to know that God knows yeah. you better than you know yourself? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Amen. Amen. <laughs>
1: So let God do his work. So he said, I'm just a child. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child. Now listen, when God calls you and you start making excuses, God's going to tell you, don't say that and don't say it. Don't verbalize it. The moment you verbalize it, you're opening the door for Satan to come against you and yeah. God's purpose. Is that All right. Don't verbalize right. it. Hallelujah. He said, say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. And Jeremiah was one of the most powerful prophets in his yes, day.
0: Yeah, right, Hallelujah. Right, Hallelujah.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't let negativity come out of your mouth.
0: Yeah. Is this all right? Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And yeah. not, yeah. by the way, not only for you, but for somebody else. Yeah. Hallelujah, God knows that brother and that sister better than you do, and so if somebody that you know and you know their past and you know their errors and you know their faults and you know all the junk they did and all that stuff and all of a sudden they're on the platform and they're singing, don't, 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 don't you judge them. It's God that's doing the work, yes. is that okay? Amen. Yeah, yeah. Man. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So God said before, I formed thee in the belly, I need thee. Hallelujah, God knows us inside and out. He knows what lurks in our nature and even in our DNA. He had an interesting discussion in that uh, free, free uh, consulting session with Nema Metrics, uh about alcoholism, and I have attributed much of alcoholism to what's a field called epigenetics. It's which genes are turned on and which genes are turned off, and by the way, that is transferred to the fourth generation. A diabetic parent, an obese parent, is transferring... The predisposition to obesity to their children based on what genes are turned on and off to the fourth generation. Mm-hmm. And did you know the Bible says sin goes to the fourth yeah. generation? Right. Isn't that cool that yeah. God knew that before yeah. scientists ever yeah. figured that out? Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. That's right. Amen. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. I knew what your issues would be. I knew everything about you. Right. Right. Hallelujah. Myself personally, alcoholism was in my family. I was born with an addictive personality. It ran through my family on both sides. My grandfather died because of alcoholism. And uh, my grandmother on my other side died a large part due to alcoholism. I grew up. In a family that had alcohol at every event and all of that. Thank God my dad left the Catholic Church and got the Holy Ghost and, uh, and we stopped all that business. But that's in my DNA. God knew it. And when I came to God, I was, if not an alcoholic, right on the edge, drinking up yeah. to a 12-pack a night. And the power of the name of Jesus yeah. Christ uh, delivered me when I was yeah. baptized immediately from yeah. the alcohol yeah. and the tobacco. Hallelujah. He knows what yeah. he needs to do in our lives. Amen. So. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He knows. Hallelujah. That was genetic. But let me tell you, and I'm going to be a little bit frank and, and open here. I was molested as a child. And it's a horrible thing. Did you know one in three children today are molested in the United States of America? One in three. And that molestation uh, did things to me. First of all, it made me—I uh, 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 wouldn't call, wouldn't say perverted. I mean, I, I was very, very, had very, very, very biblical thoughts about about sexuality in some sense. But at some point, I was confused whether I was straight or not. Because I was molested, it messed with my mind. When I figured out that I was straight, then I broke a vow I made to God and um, began to uh, be promiscuous. All of this was tied into life experience. There's all these things that are in us, either genetically or via life experience. And that caused me to have an uncontrollable desire to be accepted. I really had this drive to be accepted by everyone. You can't please everyone. And you cannot live for God if you're gonna to try to please everyone. It's impossible because those that don't love God are gonna get mad at you. And so, so it did that. That was a negative thing.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and God's helping me get rid of all of that. He got rid of all of the, 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 the perversion stuff that he got, and he's helping me get rid of this uncontrollable desire to be accepted by all. But let me tell you, in the middle of it all, it has given me great compassion for those that are living a lifestyle that many people would condemn. Because I understand some of that. And so God in his mercy burned out the stuff that wasn't good. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. The fire is to burn out the chaff with unquenchable fire. God burned out the things that that were in me, either genetically or through life experience. And his spirit has burned those things out. But he has reserved uh, things that are necessary and important. And my life experience, although it was tragic and horrible, has put a compassion in my soul for the prostitute, uh, for the homosexual, for, yes. For, yes. for the person that's living a very promiscuous lifestyle, for the people that are broken. Hallelujah. Yes. God left that. Hallelujah. He burned out the bad stuff and he yes. kept the good stuff. Yes. He said, I'm going to separate the chaff from the wheat and I'm going to burn out the wheat with unquenchable God knows what is chaff in your life and he knows what is the wheat. Whether you were born with it or whether it came through life experience, his spirit will separate the good from the bad in your life and make you a powerful witness and Christian in this very
0: hour. Hallelujah.
1: Such a beautiful thing. Hallelujah, and this is so important. Now, 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 when we talk about the Holy Ghost and fire, um, let, let, me, let me just explain something. We typically speak about God burning the sin out of our lives, and he does. And bringing and, and elevating elements and things in us that we didn't even know so that we could become more powerful Christians and more powerful witnesses. But, but there are things that are not sin it can be issues in our life yeah. and and it may be okay for somebody else but it's not okay for us because of our nature God knows that too yeah. and uh, in the book of Hebrews it's written this way Hebrews 12 and 1 wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witness Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Fame the chapter of Fame for those of the faith he said let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so doth easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Can I tell you, there are things in our lives that the Spirit wants to burn out of our lives, not because they're sin, but because they're a weight. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they're
1: keeping us from excelling in the things of God. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I I personally, I can tell you personally, I love to golf. and And whenever I went out on the golf course, people told me, you need to go pro. They really did. I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to brag but I could drive the ball easily 300 yards without ever having a golf lesson. And I just had the natural swing, it was all there. And People said, you need to go get lessons and you need to go pro. And you know what, that's not a healthy thing for a young man growing up in Christ. You get your mind set and mind wrong. And I have not played golf in years. The desire to play golf is gone. I mean, I used to be so driven on that golf course and so worried about the score, and so driven. I'd get up at five or, five or early in the morning to get out on the golf course at Duke, because I was a member, because I was a student, it was cheap, so I'd be out there golfing before anybody got there, and uh, so I could make it to the lab in time, and all the work that I was doing, getting my doctorate in immunology, and one, one, one day I was out there and God asked me, why are you willing to come out here and get up early to golf, but you aren't willing to get up early to pray when I tap you on your shoulder. Yes, uh, amen, amen. And I began to realize that golf was a weight. It wasn't a right, sin, golf. folks. It's not a sin to golf. Yeah. But it could become a weight, and it become part of pride. And I was so driven. And I find it amazing that now, if I try to golf, by the time I'm at the third I'm hole, I am bored. I am bored. I got stuck with my now. To My wife's going, What is he doing? We need to get a garbage can close to this pulpit so I can empty my pocket. I don't like any weight on me when I'm in church. <laughs> I empty my pockets. And you gotta em- you got to empty your pockets when you come to church, spiritually, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's why, that's why it's so important to pray. So, so golf is not a sin, but, but God burned it out of me because it had become a weight. No. And it was distracting me from God's purpose and God's call. And it's so beautiful that God knows us. He knows what the sin issues are. You know, everyone has a different hot button when it comes to sin. Some people are tempted by things that other people aren't tempted by at all. And God knows those things and he will burn them out and then he will give you a pastor that will help erect fences around that issue so you don't get caught up in it. Mm You know, For example, I have told people, you know what, you need to get internet out of your house, off of your phone. Is internet a sin? No, but people that have a great deal of issues with pornography, it's just one click away
0: and they can't handle
1: it. And I told folks, listen, you're dealing with this. You need to get rid of your internet. You need to get it off your phone. And if you yeah. have to have internet, you have to have it heavily filtered so you can't go where, you, where yeah. your flesh wants right. to take you. Is this okay?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah.
1: And the God does this and He burns these things out of us. And then you have good ministry that will help you build fences so those things don't come back into your life. So we have things that are sin issues and we have things that are weight issues. And the purpose of the Holy Ghost, the fire, the unquenchable fire, is not to hurt us, but it's to burn those things out of our life that keep us from fulfilling the wonderful destiny and plan of God that he has for each and every one of us. In the heavenlies, in the heavenlies, God said, I'm fixing to send down Wayne Jackson, and I've got a purpose for him, and I've got a will for him, and I know these are going to be his struggles, and when he starts speaking in tongues, I'm going to start burning that stuff out of his life. How many are appreciative that God has destiny, and he gave us his spirit to edify the wheat to, to build up the things that are great to, and to burn out the chaff, and take away the things that would destroy our walk and our witness. Oh God
0: is so good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: Woo! I'm talking about the Holy Ghost and fire. There's nothing greater than getting drunk in the spirit, my friend. There's nothing more wonderful than having the goosebumps from the top of your head to the sole of your feet, like we worship this morning, and it's joy unspeakable. The scripture says the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And yes, I love to preach about the joy, and I love to preach about the peace, but that's not the only purpose of the Holy Ghost, the fire brings true righteousness. Hallelujah. Let the fire have its way. Let the fire have its way. Isn't God good? We find the fulfillment of this prophetic utterance of John the Baptist in the book of Acts chapter two and beginning in verse number one. The disciples now had been praying and waiting for about 120 days uh, and uh, the scripture says, uh, I'm sorry, uh, about seven days. Uh, there they they were 120 in the upper room. They weren't waiting for 120 days, sorry about that. It was about seven days, or 120 in the upper room and uh, the scripture tells us, some of the folks that were there, and marvelously it tells us that not only was Mary the mother of Jesus there, but also Mary Magdalene, hallelujah. She was part of what was called the other woman to the writer Luke and, uh, and that tells us that this Holy Ghost and fire is for all ends of the spectrum. Yes. You've got Mary who was so righteous and so honest and so pure, she was chosen, she was chosen to bring in the Christ child. That's incredible, that's incredible. And, uh, and then you have Mary Magdalene, who was filled with seven devils and was a prostitute. Ah, you see, the work of the Holy Ghost can take anybody yes,
0: yes.
1: and make them better.
0: Hallelujah.
1: How can you make Mary, the mother of Jesus, better? Let me tell you, Mary said herself, I thank God, my Savior. She declared she needed a savior. Mary was not born immaculately. That is false teaching from the Catholic Church, the great whore of Babylon. And, uh, and she had issues herself, just like all of us. And so she said, I thank God my savior. So Mary had some things to build up on. Hallelujah. Yeah. And some things to deal with, just like everyone else. And, 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 and Mary Magdalene was not a lost cause. Hallelujah. There ain't no lost causes in this Amen. kingdom. Amen. I want them all to come. I want those that are self-righteous to come. They need that burned out. I want those that live a good life. I'm a good man. I'm a good person. I I do good things. That's awesome. But we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. They need it just as much as anybody else. And I I want the one that's walking the streets. I want the drug addict. I was so thrilled that I actually got to baptize a man. He got the Holy Ghost. He was responsible for multiple deaths. Because of the spice that he imported and sold, if you remember a few years ago, there was a spice that was bad and it killed many people. That went through that man's hands. Yeah. And you say well, you shouldn't have baptized him. No, he needed to get baptized. He needed yes. to get, and he got the Holy Ghost.
0: Amen.
1: All ends of the spectrum need this power of God. Yes. Are there people that are beyond being forgiven? Yes, they are those of the reprobate mind. The Scripture tells us. And when you have those individuals, yes, well, I am not gonna waste my time with a reprobate mind. They don't, they, they, they're not coming in. And, 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 and unfortunately, many of them are in the political realm and uh anyways uh, (laughs) lawyers and all that stuff but but uh so 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 the holy ghost comes and next two we find this 120 and when the day of pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting what is this sound about what is what is going on here in the gospels jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. We know they didn't get the Holy Ghost there because the scripture said the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. In other words, he was prophetically telling them, you're going to get the Holy Ghost. And that breathing meant something very significant. You see, Adam and Eve lost the breath of God in the garden. When Adam was formed, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Life was already on the planet. There was animals, there was plants, There was DNA, polymerase, all of that stuff was there. But when God breathed into his nostril, it was more than just physical life, but it was spiritual life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I tell you that Adam and Eve were absolutely filled with the spirit of God and they walked in the garden with him in the cool of the day. But when they sinned, they died. Not physically, they lived many years, but God said the day you eat of that tree is the day you're going to die. And they lost. Can you imagine the feeling of having the Holy Ghost sucked out of your soul? They lost the spirit. That's why they were hiding. That's why they covered themselves. That's why they were ashamed. All of a sudden they lost that power of God and cast out of the garden. And Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going to restore what Adam and Eve lost for humanity in the garden. So he breathed on them. And then in the upper room, we see the great breath of God filling that room. And they're filled. Thank
0: you, God. Praise now when jesus breathed
1: on them he said receive ye the holy ghost he didn't say feel ye the holy ghost there's a bunch of confusion in today's society that that think people think that when they feel the presence of god they have received the holy ghost that is not true that is not true many people have felt the awesome presence of god and i felt it from a child forward but when I was filled with the Holy Ghost, that's receiving yeah. it, getting it on the inside, it was a totally dynamically different experience. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's many preachers that teach that the moment you believe God and feel his presence, you've got the Holy Ghost. That is not true. I guarantee you, these folks felt God from the top of their heads yeah. to the sole of their feet. Yeah. They had goosebumps. And yeah. so he said, he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And they got it. And then verse three is the fulfillment of the prophecy of John. And there appeared unto them, cloven tongues like as of fire. Now this is John's prophecy and it sat upon each of them. Let me tell you the fire is a personal experience. Don't you be worrying about what somebody else got going on in their life. Yeah. You worry about your own. Yeah, that's right. The Holy Ghost sat individually upon each of them. It didn't just sit on one so that he could direct everyone else. Right. You let God deal with what he needs to burn out in your yeah. life. Amen. And Amen. you pray for the others and let Amen. God deal with what he needs to burn out of their own life. Is this all right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. It sat individually. This is an individual experience. It's an individual walk. It's an individual relationship. And by the way. It takes time. It's not. It's not. There are people I've seen come to God and immediately yeah, grasp hold of certain things. Uh, and 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 my wife and I, when we got filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, we immediately start started walking in holiness and different things, uh, because we were ready for it at that point. But some people may not be, and the Holy yeah. Ghost takes time. It's not necessarily a fast burn. In fact, you don't necessarily want a fast burn. Yeah. Usually, those that have a fast burn uh, burn out. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Has anybody here made a fire? where you're putting in the logs that take a while to burn so you don't have to get up at 3 in the morning and restock the fire. Give people time to let the Holy Ghost work. It is not your job to get into somebody's face and tell them what they need to do. And this holiness standard and that holiness standard, you'll destroy them. You let the pastor do it. Come to church, worship, be faithful, pray for people, love people, and let the Holy Ghost have its way. Hallelujah the most destructive things that I've seen happen is old-time Pentecostals that don't have much Holy Ghost but have a whole lot of strife begin to point their fingers at new babes and kill them. And their blood is on their hands. Right. Those, those old-time Pentecostals aren't saved, folks. I'm just being honest with you. God is going to boot is them true. out.
0: Right.
1: But I told them, <laughs> it wasn't your job to tell them, fool. Apart from me, you worker of iniquity. It's going to happen. But anyway, so in this congregation, I don't care what they look like when they come in. I don't care how long it takes them to get a hold of holiness. We're gonna put put people on the platform when they're ready. But we want this place filled with all kinds. I wanna smell cigarette smoke in this house. Because that means we got new people. I don't mind smelling alcohol in somebody's breath when they walk in this place. Because that means we got new people. Now if they get out of line and do things, then we'll take care of that. But how many want this to be the church? Yeah. Just to be the church. And so the Bible says these tongues of fire came on them. It was individual. And verse number four says they were all. Somebody say all. all. Every one of them, 120, were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they gave the evidence, the sign that was prophesied by Isaiah in chapter 28 with stammering lips and another tongue, calling it the rest. The Holy Ghost is the rest because God does the burning out. Now you don't have to. Hallelujah. Awesome. God helps you. He's called the rest. And Jesus said, everyone that's born of the Spirit is going to have a distinct language like the wind in the original Greek. Hallelujah. Uh They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Can I tell you, you are not filled with the Holy Ghost until you speak with other tongues. I don't care how much somebody feels the presence of God. That is wonderful. But the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost comes with the sign of speaking in other tongues. I know it's not a popular message today because most people aren't willing to repent enough to get the Holy Ghost. The scripture says he gives the Holy Ghost to them that obey him. And so we've got a lot of churches preaching a light sense of Holy Ghost because people aren't getting the Holy Ghost because they're not fully repenting. But bless God, it's the most awesome experience. Why would you not want to have a fire that gets rid of the things you struggle with and builds the things that are wonderful in your life, things you don't even know
0: Amen. Amen. it's wonderful
1: wonderful you know in the book of numbers chapter 31 and we're about done if you musicians could come numbers chapter 31 we find um, a prophecy in the old testament law about the spirit In numbers 31 and 23 everything that may abide the fire now he's talking about purifying things for the house of god ye shall make it go through the fire and it shall be clean now that's a symbol of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Nevertheless, it shall be purified with the water of separation. That is a symbol of water baptism. So just getting the Holy Ghost doesn't abrogate the need to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. This is essential. Jesus said we must be born of water and spirit. In fact, in Acts chapter 10, Peter was preaching to the first Gentiles that came in, and the scripture says that while he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them. That believed and the Jews knew they got the Holy Ghost because they heard the sign they were speaking with other tongues And then verse 47 of Acts 10 Peter says can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized Which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we they got it just like we did and they can't be uh, uh, Forbidden the water and he commanded them somebody say command. command He commanded them To be baptized in the name of the Lord. You say the Holy Ghost is going to keep me from sin. And it may indeed do that. But the stain is still there. And it's got to be washed away. In the blood of the Lamb. God may deliver you from some form of horrible immorality by the Holy Ghost. And it's real. But you still got to wash away the sin from your past. That's why it was told to Paul. What are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized. And wash away your sin. Having the name of the Lord call over you. In the original Greek. So the Holy Ghost doesn't abrogate your need to be baptized. They work hand in hand. And in the scripture, you see many that were baptized first. Acts chapter 8 is a great example. The whole city was baptized first. And then days later, Peter and John came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, for it was not yet fallen upon any of them. So just being baptized isn't enough either. Hallelujah. We need both born of water, born of spirit. Now, let me just tell my, my wonderful brethren and sisters and those that are listening that the moment you get the holy ghost you will become a main target of satan. Yeah. This is shown to us in a very a very symbolic way in the book of Acts chapter 28 when the apostle Paul led of the holy ghost for many years was on an island they had a shipwreck and he went to put sticks on the fire and a venomous beast came out and latched onto him. The devil is not worried about those that are sitting in denominal pews, folks. He's not worried about those that go to churches that don't preach tongues as the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's not worried about them. He's not worried about those that don't baptize in the name of Jesus. But you terrify him. I said you
0: terrify
1: him. Because Satan heard Jesus you the power of the Holy Ghost, you're going to get power. Satan urged John the Baptist when he said that that spirit is going to take the good stuff and edify it, the great. Is going to burn out the chat. Yes, he understands yes, yes, that yes, you yeah. have the greatest possibility of turning his world upside down. And he will try to latch on to you. But let me tell you, there's a way to get rid of that. Come to church and build a Holy Ghost fire and worship and shake yes, it off. That means dance in the Holy Ghost. That means worship. That means jump. That means wait. That means praise. Until that thing that's plaguing you is let go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. This Holy Ghost is awesome. It will keep you from sinning. Amen. Yes. Galatians 5, Paul said, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Just because you got the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you will not be tempted. You're still flesh. But Jesus was tempted in all manners like us and he never sinned once. Can I tell you, you can live a sinless life if you're full of the Holy Ghost. I know preachers say that's not true out there in the nominal world because there's sin in the pulpit. Bless God and so they're going to ahead and have sin in the pew. But you can live a sinless life. You can live above sin if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You, Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let's stand to our feet. It goes beyond, by the way, just burning out the chaff. We talked about the wheat. Look at this beautiful promise of the Holy Ghost. A little further in Galatians 5, when he said that you won't fulfill the lust of flesh, you are not going to sin if you are full of the spirit. He goes on to continue he said but now look at not only is the Holy Ghost going to burn out the stuff And he's talking about the wheat but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy peace, long suffering, gentleness goodness, faith, meekness temperance against such there is no law. These are things that the spirit of God is going to build in your life yes, yes. is there anybody here you'd like to have more peace? Yes. We live in one of the most anxious hours in the world. Prescription drugs for anxiety are one of the top prescriptions. Can I tell you? Yes, anxiety can be real. Yes, there is biochemistry behind it. And yes, I've suffered from it myself. But you get in the Holy Ghost and it all falls off. And if it's only for a little while, at least you've got a place you can go for respite. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12 and 29, our God is a consuming fire don't hold anything back as they sing if you want to come to the altar and say God whatever needs to be burned out of my life burn it out come on if you want to come to the altar and say God whatever is there that needs to be built up by your spirit whatever part is weak please Lord build it up in me I want to be used of you teach me help me Lord hallelujah hallelujah oh Lord this altar's open this altar's open you are welcome to come you are welcome to pray You're welcome to come and ask the great Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, to do the work that only He can do. As they say, thank you, Jesus.